What guy doesn't want to maximize their testosterone? Through using all natural and organic ingredients, men now have an option for a locally made paraben and sulfate-free shampoo, conditioner, and face wash. Not only does Dude's Manly products smell great, which drives ladies crazy, by the way. In a good way, they put a unique spin on their shampoo with it actually having a dark gray color because of the coconut shell charcoal that is used to remove the toxins. Dude can be purchased at the Tulsa Men's Shop and also online at www.dudemanlystuff.com. That's D-O-O-D, manlystuff.com. This is Dr. Chad Edwards, and you are listening to podcast number 93 of Against the Grain. This is Diana Edwards, and I'm here with Dr. Chad Edwards, and we're continuing the discussion of cardiovascular disease. Now, in our last podcast, we actually discussed endothelial function and its relationship to cardiovascular disease. Now, if you haven't heard that one yet, you may actually want to go back and listen to it first so that you have a much better foundation for what we're talking about today for episode 93. Very cool. So we have a couple of visitors in the recording studio with us today. We have Doofy and Gizzy, the two dogs, and also known as Lucy 1 and Lucy 2. Yes. No joke. That's really what their names are, Lucy and Lucy. Um, And so if you hear any extra noises or barking or sniffing or grunting or anything like that, that's one of the mutts. It's not Dr. Edwards. (laughs) Well, probably not. You never know. Uh, okay, so today we're, we're tagging on with the endothelial function discussion that we talked about last week, and um, I, this is one of my favorite topics. I mean, I, I love this topic because there's a lot of cool things that you can do here that can really change cardiovascular disease and a lot of things that we can evaluate that are not evaluated uh, by traditional medicine, um, which opens the, the door you know, wide for Revolution Health patients. Uh, and, you know, what we do in our clinic from a functional medicine perspective, we are driving down to what is causing the problem uh, for hypertension, cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, all kinds of things. Uh, and, and we can do something about this. So the endothelium, as we talked about, just to recap a little bit, the endothelium, uh, the, uh, the lining of the artery is called the endothelium and it maintains vascular health. And it does that by the endothelium does that by a balance between uh, five different things, uh, dilation and constriction, growth inhibition and promotion, antithrombotic and prothrombotic effects, anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory effects, and antioxidant and pro and pro antioxidant and pro-oxidant. There, there we go. That's a hard one. I was getting my merds mixed <laughs> up. Uh, and pro-oxidant <laughs> effects. So the endothelium has to balance all of those. And you know you have to be able to have some vasoconstriction uh, but you also have to have vasodilation. You need the right amount at the right time. The problem is standard American diet, standard American uh, sedentary lifestyle, uh, the the toxins to which we're exposed, all kinds of things tend to tip the scale more toward cardiovascular disease, and we want to tip it the other way. So nitric oxide is one of the most essential components to promote uh, the I'll call it the left side of the teeter-totter, which is the dilation and the growth inhibition and thrombotic, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effects. Um, and the other things are counterbalanced by a number of things that we may talk about in some other podcast. Uh, so nitric oxide is one of the most important molecules for overall endothelial health and function. So it's pretty cool stuff. Well, and that's, and that's great. And now we, we kind of understand some of the things that it's responsible for. But what exactly is nitric oxide itself? 
So nitric oxide is a colorless, odorless gas, uh, and it has a very, very short half-life. It's only like uh, a, you know, a couple of seconds. And there are some things that you can do to prolong the lifespan of nitric oxide, uh, but it is simply a gas uh, composed of a nitrogen and an oxygen. Uh, so it's not nitric oxide, which is N2O, and it's not nitrous that you use like in your car to you know make it go faster and all those things. Well, what do I get at the dentist? That's nitric oxide. I'm sorry, nitrous. Nitrous oxide. There There's we too go. many icks and us. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a relationship problem. Too many icks and us. Uh, so, uh, no, that's nitrous oxide, N2O, and wait a minute. Yeah. So, regardless, NO uh, is nitric oxide, and it's a gas composed of those two things, made in your body, short half-life, uh, and it helps balance um, the, uh, the effects. So... Uh, the nitric oxide is actually produced by the endothelial cell, and there are three different uh, enzymes that make it, and it's called nitric oxide synthase, and there's NO1, NO2, and NO3. NO3 is also called endothelial nitric oxide, or ENOS, and it's usually symbolized by a little E, big NOS, or capital NOS. And the, what, nitric, or what nitric oxide does is it actually binds to soluble guanylyl cyclase, or SGC. So I'm getting biochemical gooped out. Just bear with me for a second. Oh, here we it, go. I won't get too deep here, and Diana will always bring me back if needed. Um, but so it binds to that stuff, um, which is an enzyme, and the purpose of that is to increase a chemical called cyclic GMP. Now, most people don't care about that, um, but in, if you have erectile dysfunction and you have endothelial dysfunction, then you should care about it because... The phosphodiesterase enzymes work on some of this stuff. So, you know, like your Viagras and things like that, they work on this stuff. So cyclic GMP then uh, acts on cyclic AMP, and cyclic AMP is what actually does a lot of the effect, especially with uh, relaxation and uh, dilation. So when you want an erection, you want to be able to have dilation of those blood vessels, um, and that is, you know, the, the effect of nitric oxide is that it affects cyclic GMP and then uh, cyclic AMP. And the, uh, the phosphodesterase enzyme is the enzyme that kind of breaks down or deactivates cyclic AMP. And the phosphodesterase inhibitors like Viagra and uh, Levitra and Cialis and all those things are called phosphodiesterase inhibitors or PDE5 inhibitors. And so they, they block the breaking down of cyclic AMP, which means... Cyclic AMP is there and active longer. And what that means is that you have more vasodilation. Dilation. Yeah. And so if you have erections and, um, and endothelial dysfunction, then the phosphodesterase inhibitors can help um, with that and help with some uh, vasodilation. And also, if you go to the emergency room and you have chest pain, uh, then... One of the first things that we're going to do is, or if you call the EMTs or whatever, the, one of the first things you're going to do is they're going to give you nitroglycerin. You know, squirt three times, you know, squirt under your tongue or put a little tablet under your tongue and let it sit there. That stuff works to increase nitric oxide. So the reason that they say don't take Viagra if you're using these other drugs is because it will result in so much vasodilation that you lose all of your blood pressure and pass out and you know all those so you can have a profound hypotension so you have to be very careful in using those things in combination sort right. of makes sense it yeah absolutely so so now that we kind of understand what nitric oxide itself is uh what 
exactly does that have to do with the endothelial function itself? Yeah, so uh, the, in, as we talked about, endothelial function is extremely important for cardiovascular health, and nitric oxide is one of the most important things that maintain endothelial function. And endothelial dysfunction, where the endothelium is not functioning ap- appropriately, uh, is, is often due to a loss of the relaxing, relaxing factors like nitric oxide. Uh, and nitric oxide is one of the primary ones. Um, and or an increase in the things on the other side of that teeter-totter. So, you know, you got relaxing factors and constriction factors. And so here, nitric oxide is one of the major relaxing factors, and the increasing factors would be things like endothelin, angiotensin II, aldosterone, uh, those kind of chemicals which are beyond the, on the, beyond the podcast for today. So nitric oxide loss, uh, not having enough, is generally due to one of five or six things. So decreased... Uh, endothelial nitric oxide synthase activity or ENOS or decreased cofactors for nitric oxide synthase or attenuated nitric oxide release, meaning that you can't, um, there's something preventing you from releasing nitric oxide or decreased nitric oxide bioavailability or increased nitric oxide degradation. That's a whole lot of words. You did it well. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know what you think. Give us your comments. Um, so the nitric oxide, again, has a very short half-life. So there are some chemicals in your body that serve as reservoirs for nitric oxide. And, and to be clear, this stuff, when it's made, it's like instantaneous. It's like, I mean, it sounds it, like flash paper. Yeah, basically. That's kind of what it is. It's, you got the signal, you make it, and it's gone. I mean, it's, it's really, really fast. It's a very short. It's amazing it has any kind of impact at all. Right. But so that just kind of underscores the importance of, of all these systems and making sure that biochemically those things are firing on all eight cylinders. Um, but you do have chemicals that will serve as nitric oxide reservoirs, and there are thiol-type chemicals, and most people aren't going to care about that. But things that we often recommend at Revolution Health are going to be things like uh, N-acetylcysteine, which we use for a number of things. Uh, they, they're uh, antioxidants. They help with liver support, detoxification, those kinds of things. So we often recommend that as well as glutathione, which those two things are thiol. Thiols are like a, it's a sulfur-centered uh, kind of molecule. So they don't smell good. Yeah, they smell like rotten eggs. Uh, if, you know, when somebody comes in for glutathione, to be clear, you're not going to smell, leave smelling like a rotten egg. It's if when we're doing something, if we get it on our hands, it smells like rotten eggs. It's, it's, it's pretty cool, and we all know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the other thing is if you go to, uh, if you, um, these are like all emergency room stories today. Uh, so if you overdose on Tylenol, that Tylenol causes damage by uh, oxidative damage in your liver. And so we will give N-acetylcysteine in the emergency room, uh, either oral or IV, uh, because that helps to regenerate glutathione, which is the master antioxidant, and prevents the oxidative damage that Tylenol would cause. So those are some things that serve as, as a reservoir and can prolong the activity of nitric oxide. Take it from where it's a half-life of a couple of seconds up to even minutes, uh, up to like 10 minutes or so. So that stuff can really make a big difference. And if you're deficient in glutathione, deficient in N-acetylcysteine, then you may have a higher risk for cardiovascular disease. Albumin's another one that kind of holds on to nitric oxide and can be beneficial. Gotcha. Beautiful. So we kind of now know how the relationship is between it and the endothelial function. How exactly 
does it work in that relationship? Yeah, so uh, the the effects of nitric oxide are going to be things like vasodilation. Again, it's on the left-hand side of that teeter-totter. Uh, so vasodilation causing your blood vessels to open up. Uh, it's anti-atherosclerotic. That's a big word. Mm -hmm. So your cardiovascular disease, you have atherosclerosis or plaques in your arteries. And there are a number of biochemical mechanisms by which this stuff is, this nitric oxide stuff is anti-atherosclerotic. So very important, very cool stuff. You want to make sure that you have good levels of nitric oxide. Um, in fact, this stuff was the subject of a Nobel Prize. I think it was 1998. Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Ignero. I forget his first name. Uh, won the nitric oxide or won the Nobel Prize for for some of this stuff related to nitric oxide. Uh, nitric oxide is also antiplatelet. So you know we take aspirin. You know, especially around cardiovascular disease, we think aspirin is beneficial. You get these platelet plugs, and so you you don't want too much platelet stuff. Nitric oxide can help with that. Uh, Anti-growth, and when you look at how uh, atherosclerosis works and uh, the blood vessel with with dilation and what we call hypertrophy or getting thicker causes the lumen to kind of shrink. So growth in that regard is bad. So nitric oxide is anti-growth. And then finally, nitric oxide is an antioxidant. And it works specifically with superoxide anion. It works with some other things, but it also decreases oxidized LDL. And if you listen to our last podcast, we talked about how LDL in its native form is not atherogenic, but when it's oxidized or damaged in some other way, it is identified as abnormal. Your body then mounts an inflammatory immune response and goes in and tries to clear that stuff. And so nitric oxide decreases oxidized LDL, which is very, very cool. So it's got a lot of mechanisms that are working against cardiovascular disease. Nitric oxide is good stuff. All right, so now you have had this huge platform on this amazing nitric oxide and and told us all these great things. It's got a short, short half-life, so we want to make sure that we have enough of it. So how can we make it? How can we make sure we have enough? Yeah, there's actually two different path pathways through which we make nitric oxide. The first one uh, is the L-arginine pathway, and there are a lot of workout supplements and things like that that have L-arginine in it. And I actually used to prescribe a lot of L-arginine thinking that that was going to help enhance nitric oxide because, I, because of this mechanism right here. Now, there's some, there's some perils in that theory, but basically L-arginine is a precursor to nitric oxide and the endothelial nitric oxide synthase, the ENOS, works on L-arginine to make nitric oxide. So the theory is that, you know, in most, in many reactions in, in chemistry, biochemistry, in the human body, uh, testosterone is a good example. When we give testosterone, the higher your testosterone, the more you're going to convert it over to estrogen. You know, so the more you increase the substrate, the more you increase, you know, the, the, the final outcome. And so it drives the reaction to the right, is what we call it. With, with nitric oxide, that's not the case. Uh, you can take all the L-arginine in the world you want, and there is a sealing effect. In fact, the nitric oxide synthase um, enzyme has what's called a Michaelis-Minton constant, or a KM. And in biochemistry terms, that means above that level, it doesn't make any difference how much you give it. It's not going to change. Gonna match out. Exactly. Uh, and so that's kind of how this enzyme works. Plus, there are like 10 different cofactors for... Uh, nitric oxide synthase, that if those are not all optimized, or if there's any piece of that missing, that the ENOS is what's called uncoupled, 
and it doesn't work anyway. So giving L-arginine can actually cause a problem in some of those patients, especially if their nitric oxide synthase is uncoupled. So L-arginine may be beneficial, but it may be detrimental uh, because of this mechanism. And it's what we call the, the um, um, L-arginine or the arginine paradox uh, because giving it can actually cause more of a problem, even though that's what... Gotcha, you, you gotta you know what you're it. messing with. Exactly. So it's a good idea, if you're going to take an L-arginine, that you have that um, L-arginine level measured, uh, which we do with all of our patients at Revolution Health. Um, so then there's also there's a, an enzyme called arginase that actually breaks down L-arginine, and that's important for a bunch of reactions that we may end up having podcasts about some of this stuff later. Um, so probably not that big a deal for, for, um, for our listeners today, but there is a chemical called ADMA or asymmetric dimethyl arginine, which is a big biochemical term. Uh, we measure that on most of our patients. And the cool thing is, is that that chemical is a, is a competitive inhibitor of the, the ENOS enzyme. Uh, so it makes the ENOS enzyme think that it's L-arginine, but it's not. Hmm. So the more of this ADMA you have the less L-arginine can plug in there, and it doesn't make nitric oxide when the ADMA goes through there. So it is an excellent, uh, I'll call it a biochemical surrogate for nitric oxide. The higher your ADMA, the less your nitric oxide. So it's a really good test uh, to be able to kind of determine where are you um, in that pathway. And there are multiple things that will influence. <coughs> well, there you go. There's a, there's a dog bark. Lucy had something <laughs> to share. Yeah, that's probably because the other Lucy was getting on her nerves. Uh, so, she's tired of biochemistry right yep exactly so um the adma piece is very important and can explain a lot of things um you know with uh, vascular health and nitric oxide and those kinds of things but after the age of 30 to 35 years so you know people that are in their 40s uh, they're probably making most of their not nitric oxide from a different pathway it's called the nitrate pathway um, than through the l-arginine pathway and uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that will influence that pathway as well. You have to make sure that you've got lots of good green leafies and, and you got good nitrate intake. Uh, and the standard American diet, you know, the Burger King McDonald's diet does not have a lot of those things. So you got to make sure that you're getting good intake of, of those things as well. So, um, yeah, so, it's two different pathways. Well, at this point, so uh, you were talking about the average age of about 40 over 30, 35 years of age, and they're switching those pathways. Does that mean that, the L-arginine is done. So even taking the L-arginine supplementation, is that going to open that pathway back up or are they just purely nitrate? No, it, it looks like we suspect that they're pretty much uh, going to be more nitrate dependent. Uh, you still want to measure, I mean, if, if, if I get a patient and I measure the LL, their L-arginine and they're deficient, then we still might supplement with L-arginine. But we have to understand that there's a ceiling effect on that, and that L-arginine can go through a different pathway that causes problems. So you have to be careful with that. Okay. Of course, in certain situations, we are still going to want to increase our nitric oxide. So how exactly do we go about that when it is appropriate? Yeah. So, I mean, and really for most Americans and, and for most of our patients at Revolution, we do want to increase nitric oxide. That's, uh, I, I can't find a, a time where we're going to have too much of that, even though you, you want balance. Uh, the, the reality is, is that we, we need good nitric oxide. So the first thing, measure your L-arginine. And if it's deficient, then take L-arginine. 
Also consider supplementation of uh, L-citrulline and other methyl arginines. Uh, but again, you got to be careful with that pathway, but that's we keep that in mind. Number two, make sure that you've got good amounts of dietary nitrates. So nitrates are going to be in your green leafies. Uh, a lot of your vegetables, um, they're going to have uh, more of your nitrates. Beetroot powder, excellent choice um, for this pathway and making nitric oxide. This, this is enhanced with vitamin C and polyphenols. So polyphenols are going to be your vegetables and things like that. We have a supplement at Revolution Health. Uh, you can certainly get it online as well. Uh, called Neo40, N-E-O-40. Uh, and this stuff was formulated, if, if I understand correctly, by Nathan Bryan, Dr. Bryan. Um, and he has written several books on nitric oxide and its effect on the human body. And there are studies on this stuff. And in fact, one study showed that uh, taking Neo40 lowered blood pressure 10 points, uh, systolic blood pressure 10 points, inhibited platelet aggregation by 20 points, um, and had some uh, flow immediate dilation, I think, by 30% as well. And that effect was seen within an hour. Impressive. So very quickly, uh, we had some good benefit uh, in, in, uh, in those systems. And additionally, it also lowers your CIMT, which is the carotid interval medial thickness score, which uh, also goes along with some cardiovascular disease risk things. So we suspect that this is because of the overall vascular health being improved by increasing nitric oxide. Uh, the next thing that you can do is increase ENOS activity, that enzyme that makes nitric oxide. Uh, and there are a few ways to do that. I'm going to use a bunch of big words because I don't know how else to do it. Um, uh, tetrahydrobiopterin uh, or BH4, it's kind of a folate uh, derivative uh, chemical that is involved in methylation and things, and that helps that enzyme to work. Glutathione, we talked about uh, that as a reservoir or allowing the nitric oxide to kind of bind to it and being a reservoir for it. Um, FAD or flavine adenine dinucleotide, I think I'm saying that right, um, and, and calmodulin, um, as well as co-substrates uh, such as NADH. Now, we also have a, a supplement at Revolution called Benagene, which helps the NADH-NAD ratio and is shown to be beneficial for a lot of things, and we'll definitely need to have a podcast about that one. Um, and uh, so Benagene, the, the chemical name is oxaloacetic acid, which is part of the, uh, uh, the Krebs cycle. And that, um, we suspect, is going to have some increase on the, uh, the ENOS activity as well. You can uh, prolong the activity of nitric oxide. And again, we talked about glutathione and N-acetylcysteine. And then there are some other things that you can do to help increase nitric oxide. There are some medications that you can take. I'm not a big fan of statins, but they do have their place in some patients, and that can increase nitric oxide. Uh, aspirin has been shown to do that. ACE inhibitors like lisinopril, um, which is not my favorite one, but things like benazapril, um, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, ARBs or angiotensin receptor blockers, uh, your direct renin inhibitors like uh, spironolactone, and I think indapamide is the other one. Uh, calcium channel blockers, the dihydropyridine uh, calcium channel blockers, and for women, estrogen. Uh, can help increase nitric oxide. So there's a whole litany of things that you can do at Revolution. We want to make sure that we evaluate those pathways so that we understand what needs to be worked on, what's already doing well, and we fix the ones that are wrong. Perfect. Uh, Neo40, I'm thinking it's the new Viagra. That, yeah, and we're going to talk more about that kind of stuff uh, in one of our future podcasts. So that's um, your little teaser. There you go. We've got a big, if your Viagra isn't working, we'll explain why. Exactly. Alrighty, thanks guys. Be sure to go on to iTunes and give us uh, some uh, some ratings.
Let your friends know about the podcast. If it's not good, let us know. Uh, otherwise, other than that, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast with Dr. Chad Edwards. Tune in next week where we'll be going against the grain.